Welcome to Take Two Radio. We are pleased to bring you interviews with people in the entertainment and music industry, discussions and recaps of the four remaining daytime soaps, that's The Bold and the Beautiful, The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, and Days of Our Lives, as well as various other shows. For upcoming and previous shows, check Take2Radio.com, that's with the number two, and you can find us on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and other streaming apps. Follow us on social media at Take2Radio, and thanks for listening. Recognize me. Welcome to the Mallard Report, the fastest hour in paranormal talk radio. Aired live, where the hosting guests exchange thoughts and opinions with interaction from the duck pond. And now your host, Jim Mallard. I want to welcome everybody to the report. I almost said program this evening. I don't know. One of these days I'll actually have that all figured out and sound like somebody who actually has a clue about these things, but it's not tonight. My guest tonight is Ilea Kenzie. Did I get that close? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's close. It's close. Okay. Kinley. Ilea Kinley. What did I tell you? I'd get the first name right and then butcher the last name because I was so worried about the first name that the last name just kind of... It doesn't matter. You did a good job. <laughs> so excited I got the first part right. Um, I'm excited to be on. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So let's start with the easy question for the people who aren't familiar with, with you because they don't hang out in the pond and they should. Give us a little background about who you are. Well, um, I'm a paranormal researcher. I've been basically doing this uh, all my life. I actually um, took some classes with Boyd Ardbach. And um, I've been doing this for, I don't know, actually I investigated with the group for like 10 years and then I just kind of, I now I, I don't really investigate anymore, but I, I, I'll look up their um, history and stuff of different locations and I like that more than I actually like investigating. But... Um, I live in Hastings, Nebraska, and that's about it. I like <laughs> Nebraska has a um, really um, it's it's I think it's unique because uh, when they um, issued the Homestead Act, thirty percent of all the land of Nebraska got um, homesteaded out to uh, immigrants. So we have people from all over the world, and they brought their cultures, and they brought their religion. And they brought their spirits, and um, not to mention we have a rich Native American history here. So it, it's been a challenge to figure out, like, hauntings and what's going on. I was going to say, that you, you mentioned doing the research earlier as opposed to doing the investigation part of it. I, I, I fail at research, but I do enjoy hearing the stories that come from it more than sitting in the dark for five, six hours and then turning around and listening to that same darkness, well, it's not dark then when you're probably listening to it, but it just gets a little, how do I say this nicely? Because I don't want to offend a whole bunch of investigators that are listening because I know there's a bunch of them listening. It gets a little tiresome there. Oh, I said, yeah. I said it nicely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like to investigate in the dark. Um, I really... I guess I have, and I did with the group and stuff, and we got some good stuff, but I actually prefer during the day where you can see you're not tripping over cords. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I haven't figured out why we investigate with lights out. It seems like it wouldn't matter to ghosts if the lights were on or off. <laughs> I guess I, I, I don't understand why we're doing that, and I think it's probably a product of, uh, like, the old seances and spooky paranormal shows. It's more scary to investigate in the dark. Yeah. Because I, I, yeah. I, I guess it, do, it would make a difference, you know, to a ghost, whether the lights were on or off. Yeah, as I say, it doesn't make a difference to them. It, doesn't make, it shouldn't make a difference to us. And maybe maybe, maybe you're the same way. Um, let's see, one... But, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. I'm counting on my fingers. Most of my best experiences happened, A, before we got the, cam- the equipment set up, or B, during the day when I wasn't trying to investigate. 
Yeah, well, you know what? If you look at um, different cases and stuff, most people see these spirits during the day. They'll be like, they'll see them in the cemetery during the day or the, or a place or, or stuff, and they're not really seeing them in dark. I mean, most people are sleeping at night. Unless you have, like, a real pesky spirit in your house or something, they're not seeing them. They're not seeing them at night. And then... I, I tend to more I tend to more believe the ones that they've seen them with the lights on, you know, and stuff. And yeah, I think part of that comes from people are paying more or more hypersensitive to things at night. A less yeah. going on around them. Of course, then again, with me, it's my phone's always in my hand. It doesn't matter day night. Um, I wonder how that's going to impact us all too. Yeah, well, if you think about it, you know, if you're investigating at night, you're, like, losing way your most valuable senses into your eyes. I mean, cause it's, it's like you're blindfolding yourself and trying to investigate. And since you're into the research thing, you're going you're gonna to crack at this one, too. Um, it's, it's amazing to me how many people have had readings and then come back and claim to be uh, someone famous. Apparently, when you get reincarnated, it's always someone famous. It's never the guy that shoveled shit anywhere. It's always uh, the king or the princess. Oh, or, yeah, or, or Joan of Arc or, or something like that, yeah. I always wondered that, too, and stuff. But there has been a lot of... Um, that's why the parapsychologists tend to believe the the reincarnated cases of young children more than people just having um, a hypnotized section and coming back and saying they were Joan of the Ark or or Jesus or, or, you know, just it seems like kids are more um, trustworthy, actually, because they, they can come up with information that they have no way of knowing. Before, so yeah, I was gonna say most of them aren't the famous people either. Yeah, they're like the World War Two pilot. I bet there was a real famous case with that boy that he and I, I don't remember what his name was and stuff, but he died. I mean, he claimed he died in a um, World War Two plane crash, and he described the plane, he described the company he was with, and the unit he was with, and. I mean, there's just so much information that, I mean, he was describing at, like, age four years old that there's no way he could not, you know, he could have known that and learned it. So, I guess this is this is totally unrelated to what we're talking about, but we're just, I'm just going to throw it in here because I think it's kind of cool. Um, sorry. It just hit me, so I'm just going to say it before I forget. If you have Hulu, I don't know if you do or not, if you're even in the streaming things, but the missing 411 documentaries out there on it, I watched it yesterday. Was it yesterday? I don't know. It was either yesterday or Sunday. Pretty good. Not as, I, think I, the books, I think the books are better, but <laughs> there we are. And wait a second. This guy's saying a book's better than a movie. Every, everybody, uh, take, everybody take a pause and realize what I just said. That's... <laughs> That's the way it is. It always is. Cause the, book always, they mean, the book goes into more detail. But I think what you're talking about, the 411 kids, aren't them the people or, that ended up gone from, like, national parks? Yeah, they just – and well, there's some of them that have come up missing from cities and parks. and. Yeah. It's just – Yeah, that is so bizarre. I, You know, I guess I haven't watched it. I mean, I've, I've heard something about it and stuff, but, yeah, that's bizarre. They just – disappear. I mean, there's been people walking down the road and they turn around and the person behind them was just gone. Gone. Yeah. Yeah, and and that is just I don't know. I don't know what you do. I, in I guess, kind of situation. I guess the original point was you were mentioning the kid that was talking about World War Two. There's a show on Either Netflix or Hulu that I was watching. There, there's a group of people out digging for artifacts from World War Two, and they. Yeah. Um, I fell asleep and then I woke up and they were digging out a helmet out of the ground with a, that still had a skull in it, and I was just like, "That's too much." I mean, it's so morbid, but I'm glad they, you know, 
they found them and was able to get them buried and all this other stuff, but it was just kind of not what I wanted to wake up to, I guess. Just for the record. Yeah. Um, there has been actual tells around here and stuff. The farmers, back in the late 1800s here, there was a lot of range wars between the farmers and the ranchers. And, in fact, Lowell, Nebraska, which is about 30 miles from here, has a boot hill where, um, I don't know, it's maybe 25 different people from range wars and stuff are buried and everything. So it's not uncommon for a farmer to dig up some something or Indian bones or... Um, Rancher bones, <laughs> so it happens. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's one of these things that's. I'm glad they're being found so they could finally have the recognition and peaceful burial they deserved. Kind of a weird. Just wish they would have never come up either. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be <laughs> awful to be tilling your garden and dig up somebody's skull or something. It'd be like, oh, gone. Yeah, it's one of those. Uh, okay, well. Yeah. Eh. I don't want it to happen. <laughs> yeah, nothing that I want to be part of, at least. Yep. Yep, exactly. So, let's see. I got a bunch of questions here. What's the most difficult case or story, well, I guess, case story that you came across that? That you wouldn't mind sharing, I guess, is the easiest point to make to that, too. Um, difficult. Well, I mean, oh, geez. I have one with this family, and it's still, it's it's like an ongoing thing with them. I've been working with them for a couple of years now. The whole family has gifts. I mean, that's the reason why they see things in their house. And um, I have been over there. I've cleansed her house. I've actually um, took an Abyssinian knife and tried to cut whatever ether ties from the other world I've done. I've been, I was, and actually, that worked on for the gal, and she's not had any more problems, but... The rest of the family I've been over to, it's not just one house. It's it's wherever they live. And so I've been to the multiple people, multiple um, family members' houses and stuff. And whatever they have going on, uh, it just it seems to follow them and they have problems in every house they go to, but I can't, you know, I don't think it's the same spirit. I just think that they attract them. And it's just that it's them. It's not, it's not so much the spirit, you know, or whatever that, you know, it might be that they're just seeing into the spirit world and the spirits have no intention of bothering them, but that since they can see them, they're freaked out. Or they just believe in the stuff so much they're freaked out. I have no idea. It's just an ongoing thing to them. They call me up probably every three or four months to go over and cleanse their house. And and, and you do feel like something's like in there. And I have done They've had their house blessed. And it don't seem to work. And <laughs> they've it's like all different kinds of things. Well, this poor gal, this is for example... She, um, when her and her boyfriend, her fiancé, bought this house in town, she wanted to make sure that nobody has died in this house. She had the realtor go look it up and everything else and make sure nobody died in the house because she wasn't going to, you know, she was hoping to live in a house that she doesn't have to deal with seeing dead people. And um, it's that bad with them. So they bought this house here in town and, Pretty soon, um, they went to go take the trees up that were in the house, uh, around the house and stuff, because they wanted to do different landscaping. And every tree they'd pull up, they'd find this box and it was bound with beads and everything. And she just let her kids open these boxes and stuff and um, everything. And then she calls me, you know, probably six months later and says, hey, I got all kinds of crazy stuff happening in my house. And stuff, and I'm like, okay, um, 
I'll go over there and see what's going on and stuff. And I go and I go do the research, come to find out there was this a Latina family that was there, and they were practicing Santeria in the house. And these things are some kind of maybe spirit boxes that she had buried, maybe hoping the ground would take away, take it back. Or something, I said, whoa, I said, whatever you do, if you find any more of these boxes, don't open them and do not let your kids have them. And so I said, we'll have to, like, dispose of them. I I would put them in the river, you know, and let, the, let it just wash them away and stuff. But, yeah, I, it was quite the challenge at her house. And finally, we got her house cleansed and stuff, and then her mom's house starts acting up. So then I go over there and... And when I looked up the history of mom's house, come to find out this man in 1922 walked out the back door and hung himself from the porch. <laughs> yeah, and this guy, he, he's walking around the house. And, 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 and the people that lived there before never had a problem. But I, I think that these people are just so sensitive that they're seeing this stuff. Well, I guess that leads me to a question that wasn't even on my radar. But since we're here, we're going to go with it about house cleansing and, and there's something to I mean there's something to be said for no matter what whatever belief you believe if it's the Catholic or the Christian or the Native American whatever kind of blends, bl- blending blessing or cleansing I got blending that was good came flying out together yeah <laughs> that you do a, it has to match the people's beliefs, and then the people have to, A, and then it has to match the people's beliefs, and then people have to believe what you're doing. Yeah, so you exactly could, right. Because I can march elephants through my house, but if they don't believe that it's going to do a house cleaning, it's not going to do any good. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't try to go do some Catholic ceremonial to to some Native American's house or, or vice versa. You know, you have to see what their belief system is and stuff. And, um... Yeah, actually, like, when you smudge a house and stuff and everything, there's actual scientific uh, evidence that that the smoke actually clears the way, like, the germs and microbes and everything. So that's probably the reason why they've always, like, cleansed with smoke and stuff. I mean, they did it in Scotland. They called it sanin. And stuff, and even at Belton, we used to run livestock through two, two like um, bonfires and stuff, and the smoke would cleanse the animals as they ran through. And Native Americans used sweet grass and sage and stuff, and um, Catholic Church uses frankincense. I mean, exorcism herbs are like Angelica, St. John's Wort. And frankincense and myrrh, and they use them in exorcisms, you know, to clear the spirits out. So I don't, I don't, I can't tell you. Is it it removes spirits for sure? Because actually, we don't know what spirits are. I mean. There's no scientific thing says what a spirit is or what a ghost is. They don't know what it is. That's why there's nothing that you have got meters or whatever that can detect it because they don't know what a, what a ghost is. I have my opinions on what a ghost is. I think it's a conscious ball of energy, but nobody knows it for sure. So I that's one thing these people that sell um, spirit cleansings and stuff and everything. How can you charge people when you don't even know what it is you're, you're getting rid of? Yeah, and how can you, I mean, what's the, um, how do I say this? The verification there. That was a nice word for it, that it is actually working. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, you know, research done at the Rhine and in England and stuff, they've been actually, parapsychologists have been researching mediums for well over 100, 100 years. And there's good evidence that, uh, well, research that 
animals and, and humans might be the only thing that actually can detect a spirit and stuff and have some kind of accurate reading. Whether they're having some kind of um, psychic experience themselves and just picking up on information, you know, that's in the, like, I don't know, out there, what they call the Akashic Records or whatever, I don't know. You know, or they really are, they, they really are communing with the dead person. But there's really good evidence that um, they're doing this. And they and they might be the only um, actual way to detect a spirit or a ghost. And I think that's yeah, wow. It's it's kind of amazing, but then there's a lot of like frauds out there too. And uh, I I guess yeah, they fraud people. Wait, I'm getting a message from the other side for you. Hold on. Yeah. There's an older gentleman. Probably smoked, worked hard. He misses you. Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> sorry. Oh, you're right. You're right. And there's a lot of people that do them cold readings like that and and stuff. I've been to a couple of them, and they're just like, you're just fishing, you know. But then I have met uh, I have met this lady. When I was a kid, my neighbor, next door neighbor and I, we found a dead fellow in the trash can behind the house and stuff. Because we had this, we lived in Los Angeles, and so they had this big wall, and we had like a barrio where like low-income housing was behind, and we found a dead fellow in the trash. Now I did not open up the top of the trash can because it's just I wouldn't, I didn't want to see that. But Kathy. She went and opened up the thing, and she seen the guy, and we went and called, we went and called, or our folks called the police, and we didn't call the police. It must have been six months later, we were in Northridge Mall, and we were just walking, and this little lady, she looked, I don't know, maybe Hungarian or Latino, I don't know. She had a kind of like an Eastern accent. You know, and um, she come up to Kathy and she says, and he had one of them names like Jose, Alvaro, you know, three sober. I don't remember what it was. She says, he really says thank you and everything for coming to find it. That was the man that was in the trash can. Now, there is absolutely no way that that old lady could have known what that man's name was and could have known Kathy was the one that found him. There's no way. And so that was kind of like a wake-up call for me. I was like, whoa, maybe that stuff is real, you know. And Because there's no way. There's no way she could have known that. Yeah, there, oh, there's, there's times that make you wonder, and there's times that make you laugh. Speaking of when you were a child, you know, our boy Dave wants me to ask you a whole bunch of questions. So okay. I, so I, I picked the best of the best. Well, I actually picked the ones that I've seen and wrote them down. Um he wanted to know about faith and religion as a child, as you were your formidable years, because you were just talking about how this kind of opened your eyes to things that were uh, not normal. So, how did that all play out for you? Well, my family was Methodist, and and I think I've told you before they were all involved with Masonic Lodge and stuff. <laughs> But when I went out to Los Angeles and stuff, my sister went to a Southern Baptist church. Well, then I went to Southern Baptist church, too. And, wow, they were out there. They had me burning my Led Zeppelin records because it was, you played them backwards. And they said something about the devil. And everything was devil this and devil that. And time out, time out. And time out. I need a time out. Has anybody played this show backwards and there's any demonic messages in this? Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it was, yeah, no. And when they told me, you know, I was probably about 15 years old, and we were in there, and the, and his this this I don't know, this probably youth pastor or whatever. He was going on about Mother Teresa's in hell, Gandhi's in hell. You know, all these people were supposedly in hell that have done nothing but good in their life. I'm like, no, no, 
I, you know, that wasn't the way I was brought up. I mean, I might have been, uh, the Masonic way teaches you that God is God and every, you know, yeah, that he, uh, God is, God wouldn't have um, put Gandhi in hell and Mother Teresa in hell just because they didn't like the faction of religion they belonged to. They were good people. And it's good works that matter. It's who you are that matters, not how you believe. Anyway, that's the way I... And, then, and that's the way I believe now. I believe, you know, if you're a good person and stuff, then that's good. That That's the proper way to believe. Not get all wrapped up in... in um, dogma, I guess. Yeah, it's easy to do. Get uh, lost in what people think you should believe and how you should dress and how all, yeah. any, any anything that you have an idea for. If you see it in politics <laughs> now, I mean, it's like, wow. You know, it wouldn't matter if somebody had a good idea or not. It's just like they're against, they're on the opposite team. And I'm gonna hate them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I wish politics would play the game of uh, making somebody think it was their idea. Because you know, you you've, you you know, you've dealt with kids, and you know, if it's their idea, they're all for it. Now, if it's your idea, it's a bad idea. But if it comes up, they had the idea, it's okay. I know. I can understand the Democrats this time around. I mean, not to offend anybody. But it's like, if they would have just buttered up Trump, he probably would have given him everything that he wanted, you know, if they would have been nice to him. But it's like, oh, no, he's on the opposite team. And it seems like if they all tried to get along, they'd accomplish something instead of all this thing gone fighting. And and then they stir up everybody else. It's like, <laughs> and it's not just one per. it's not just one side, it's both sides, they like wow, they just stirred the pot. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They could say the sky. One, what? I'm waiting for one side to say the sky is blue, just because. Yeah, and then the other one to argue with it. Just because I can't wait for that on the C-SPAN. That'd be just absolutely great. <laughs> yeah, you're completely right. That's it's when funny. we know. That's when we know we have no hope of anything important coming out of Washington D.C. When they start arguing about what color the sky is. Oh, yeah, and then CNN will have, like, a seven-day program on uh, on this. They have all their scientists on there and everything. It's like, oh, Lord. Because, you know, there's some guy out there that will be like, yeah, it's really red. Oh, yeah, they'll argue. Yeah, they'll it's just... like, this, like the flat earth thing and stuff. And, uh, it's, this, no. Why Why would they think that there's a flat earth? I just don't understand their thinking there. I guess I've flown overseas, and I guess when we, you can see the curvature of the earth, when, you know, when you're flying. Yeah, I was not even remotely that close to being up that high. And see, I'm not sure it's exactly, you know, exactly truly round, but there is some roundness to it. Now, I was, it's not flat. I can I can tell you that for sure. No, it's not flat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like whatever they would think that I don't know. Because if it's flat, why don't I see New York City? Because those thirty-some story buildings, I should be able to see them from here. Yeah. I can't. Well, anybody who shoots a weapon, well, I, I guess I shouldn't talk about that now. But right, go go ahead. You, you you have to you have to adjust for the. Um, the drop and everything, and if it was just flat, it'd just keep on going, yeah, and stuff. So I mean, yeah, well, I yeah. I don't know where they get this flat Earth. Well, so I, I, you know, somebody said it was a campaign to create misinformation, which I start I'm starting to believe. It might be, but some people just. You know, the, and and the, you see it with uh, like people on the orb orb camp or whatever. They really believe this stuff, and it's like a religion to them. And if you try to tell them anything different, my God, it's like you're crushing their world. And they get all wound up that this is what they know, and nothing else matters. <laughs> and, well, 
well, you, you mentioned religion in this format, and then I, somebody sent me a, a direct message the other day on Twitter with a, a link to John Oliver, who is kind of a satire news kind of deal, and he was talking about televangelists. And um, as you can imagine, it wasn't necessarily pretty, you know, because yeah. they, it's not necessarily pretty what they do. And um, let's just say that. Just go ahead and send that $5 to me. And I'll make sure to burn it just for you, just as fast as one of those guys. <laughs> anyway. Oh, yeah, TV preachers get me going, too. That one lady with the pink hair, it was like, why would they put that lady on TV? She'd scare most people away from religion and stuff. And then I come to find out that she took all this money from people, and she had a trailer that she used to drive around for dogs, and she... Yeah, wow. It's like, and they couldn't figure out that this lady was scamming them. In this, and, day, in this day and age, it's kind of repulsive to me that somebody sends any of these people money, but I don't know. They each their own, it's their money. Yeah, that's true. I just get mad when it's the elderly and it's like, they, you know, my uncle, he donated to like them televangelists on TV and stuff and everything because... He thought, you know, he was his eyes were going, so he thought maybe God would heal his eyes or whatever. But I don't know. They're just <laughs> not my favorite people. They'll, they'll heal his checkbook for them. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I, I, I think my aunt put a stop to it before it got too crazy. I'll have to send you the link for that because you'll appreciate it in the same way <laughs> I did. Well, just like did down there in Houston, was it that? Um, Oh, what's his name? Oh, Joel Yeah, he wouldn't open his church, or what was that about? It was like, it was like, you've milked that money from all them people, and you won't open your church? Meanwhile, right down the street's a master store, and he's got like a thousand people hanging out. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just like, uh, I don't know. So, <laughs> smooth radio transition coming in three, two, one. Um... Let's talk about witches. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when when did you start getting fascinated by that? I mean, obviously you have some uh, some tie to that. Oh, I've always known I've been related to Margaret Scott since I was a little kid. Because five generations of my family are buried at Freewater Cemetery. And Elvira Scott Field is buried there. And I can remember going with my grandmother out to the um, cemetery, and we would go set out flowers for Memorial Day. Because my grandma, it was a really big thing, and I still do it to this day, is you go clean all the stones, and you set the flowers out, and you take care of the family. And she would walk by Elvira Scott Field's grave, and she goes, she was related to a witch. But she would whisper it really low like that. And I'm like, Grandma, everybody's dead here. It's just like, <laughs> But she would whisper it. And so um, she would never tell me how she was related to witch or what witch she was related to and stuff. But um, when I got older, I, I looked it up and stuff, and then I found out it was related to Margaret Scott. And then um, I I went ahead and I did the uh, Associated Daughters of Early American Witches. I did that. It's a heritage group, a lineage group. And I had to document every generation. I documented birth, death, and marriage, and children on ten generations. And I sent it in. And um, and they put it through their genealogists and stuff and everything. And then I, I got it because I was like number 651, I think, and stuff. And um I think now they have about a thousand members, but it was started in like 1982, and they're all like um, we're all direct descendants of early accused American witches and or executed. And Margaret Scott was executed September 22nd, 1692, in Salem, and she was probably the oldest. They they credit Rebecca Nurse with it, but actually Margaret was almost like 75 years old. And 
What what a life at that point, by the way, especially in 1692. Oh, yeah. She, well... She had been widowed for almost 20 years, and um, she lived in Raleigh, Massachusetts, and her um, one son, Benjamin, and his wife lived there, and which in Raleigh, um, Massachusetts, the Benjamin Scott house still stands. And so I used to think, well, one of the uh, papers I read uh, about Margaret, that she was poor, and then I looked at that house, and that house, that house now is worth like a half a million dollars. <laughs> it was not in poor people's house, so they weren't poor. I don't know what Margaret did. Um, maybe she was. Um, I don't know. I don't know what she did that the people ended up hating her. She could have. Uh, um, very well started being senile, you know, at 75 years old, could have been had Alzheimer's. She could have pissed off the Puritans because it's, it's hard telling. Sounds like and something then, I would do. Yeah. Well, it wasn't hard to piss off the Puritans and stuff. They were, the Puritans were not nice people. I mean, if you read what they did to the Quakers, they would tackle Quakers down and brand banished in their heads and stuff because they didn't want the Quakers in their towns. And uh, they were very intolerant. They were, I, I, I shouldn't joke about it, but I was like, they're like the terrorists of nowadays. I was just thinking that. I'm like, well, I'm glad religion has come, come so, never mind. I can't even say yeah. that. Yeah. It, well, it all has to do with, Religion's fine, but being a fanatic about religion is probably not fine. It's like these people get all wound up, wound up on that stuff. I think a lot of it, is, a lot of like demon possessions and stuff, has to do with people getting really wound up on religion, and you know they start. I believe people can manifest their own fears. So I mean, if they get all wound up on this stuff. And they start, they think demons are getting them and stuff. They're pretty soon they're going to start seeing demons. I think that's, I, that has to be true because even if they're not wound up on religion, there are those people out there who want, want, want. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, even, I'm not even going to finish that thought because you know where I'm at. They just want yeah. that, that moment of seeing. Okay, I'm going to read this right off the big screen on the video side. Have you ever seen any evil clowns out there in Nebraska? <laughs> no, but um, <laughs> I kicked Ronald McDonald in the nuts once. <laughs> I don't like clowns. I absolutely hate them and stuff, and I always have hated them. And this was some kind of like anniversary for McDonald's or whatever, and I was out in California, and <laughs> And we went to walk in McDonald's, and they had a Ronald McDonald there. And the first thing he does is go and he just grabs me. I kicked him in the nuts. <laughs> I was like, oh. my aunt, I got sent home. Yeah. <laughs> she wasn't happy. Somewhere on my webpage over at Mallard.com, I believe there's a picture of me and Chuck E. Cheese. Now, oh, originally, my son was supposed to be in this picture. He isn't. He isn't anywhere in the frame of this picture. And you'll notice there's a bunch of kids, a bunch of adults, and me and Chuck E. Cheese, and he isn't anywhere to be found. He's under a table. like in <laughs> He said, oh, yeah, we can do that. We get up there, gone. Like, And there's me and this Chuck E. Cheese smiling because I thought, you know, we're getting a picture. And, well, we got a picture. You didn't like clowns? Well, this is Chuck E. Cheese. He's a big rat. Oh, oh, and he don't like Chuck E. Cheese, huh? He was all about it until we got, you know, squared away to get the picture. Because, you know, with all these kids, you got to wait for things. And Sure, we'll do that, and then moment comes, gone. Oh, my daughter was terrified at Easter, buddy. But then she loved Freddy Krueger. <laughs> we were at the local mall, and we went by Video Kingdom, and they had a Freddy Krueger out there. And this is like when she was like, Five and she's like, 
daddy! And she grabs and hangs on him. I'm like having to drag my child off this child killer. <laughs> and, stuff. and then, it's so funny, she's terrified of him. It was like abuse trying to get a picture. <laughs> I was like, you're kidding me, right? But I guess you're my child, so I gotta understand. And it's like, well, I guess we'll hire Freddy Krueger for Easter Bunny next year. <laughs> Something okay. weird. That's okay. Well, oh yeah, kids. They, they, yeah. Wow. You got. You've just got to take everything with a grain of salt and smile and be glad. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, I know I know you've been writing a little bit. Are you ever? Are you? I guess I should turn. The, don't turn the question around on me because my book's never going to get done. Oh wait, are you? Are you thinking I'm about? Working on, <laughs> I'm working on it. In fact, Dave Germantown Runner has been. Yeah, he's been amazing. He's like, I, I went to college for swine science, not writing. I can tell you the parts of a pig, but I can't tell you. Yeah, I have good stories, but I'm not a writer, and thank God he is and stuff. So we're we're trying. We're going to put out a book and stuff. We're, we're like, moving the balls forward. But I have like, quite a few stories after so many years. I, I think I have, like, 10 of them that I've put together that uh, 10 or 11 that I put together real good that I wanna I wanna publish from Nebraska Hauntings. So I'm never really good on promotion because I don't want people to know too much. But I've got three dates here that obviously I want to promote right now because we just mentioned Dave. November 14th, he's going to be guest hosting the show. I guess asking oh, me. Oh, that'll the, be good. Asking me the questions. So. Uh oh, you'll be in the hot seat. Yeah, I find this more I, more better. That's good. That's really good. Somebody probably loves that one. Um, then doing an interview on other somebody else's show. My listeners get to hear it. They want to hear me. It's all good. Uh, November 7th is the annual prediction show because I don't wait until the end of the year. I give my predictions a full two months before the year even's over for next year. Get a, get ahead of all that. And then Tuesday the 31st, yes, I finally have a show on Halloween, and I'm trying to book a guest that, well, we'll see. It might be trick, might be trick or treat. We'll see if I can get it all together. Um, have you ever researched any true crime incidents that resulted in a ghost hunting? Oh yeah, there's been. Well, actually, the one I asked your help on and stuff is uh, one of the famous, not famous, but one of the more like notable um, hauntings in Nebraska is at Spring Ranch. And down Clay Center, and uh, this mom in eighteen eighty five hung a brother and sister from the bridge, and for really no particular reason other than they hated them, and and I couldn't, and I'm like, okay, none of this makes sense, so I've like had to tear it all apart and stuff, and that's why I was asking you about the the Masons because. Some of these people that hung this hung this this brother and sister were um masons, and the brother um Tom Jones he was a mason well, I'm not sure if he was the masons or he was a good fellows, but he has the he has the compass and um square on his tombstone, but there's no g in it, so I'm thinking he was an odd fellow maybe odd fellows member uh but I'm wondering, that's kind of like big taboo to hang another mason. It's like taboo to even testify against another mason in court. And when they, when these lynchers, they did arrest like five of the lynchers in the, in court. They eighty five people testified on the prosecution's um, side against them. The defense, not one person testified for defense. They offered no evidence. And that judge, he dismissed that court case. And uh, that cemetery down there, yeah, it's really, like, haunted. I mean, everybody I've ever talked to, that's, yeah. yeah. And I've had several experiences down there myself. Now, I, none of them really attributed to the lynching that took place down there, but 
I was asking about the gal that the guy, the names of the people that got lynched were Elizabeth Taylor and Tom Jones, of all people, you know. And um, I was asking if Elizabeth was there, and I got this older lady's voice, and it was it was really sad. It was a no, and. I do think that was probably maybe her mother. Uh, her mother tried to testify in court, but was basically laughed out of court because she only spoke Welsh. They, yeah, they let them people that lynch them go, and and, and they they say that there's a curse down there on them and everything, but it's it's actually one of my favorites haunted little places to go, but I don't go there after night no more, because this is Nebraska, and most farmers have guns, and sadly, that that cemetery's been vandalized, so, um, you, you, it's a country cemetery, so you better get permission, because it's just a ghost town down there, and they don't, they don't like people just in their cemetery anymore. Which they, I mean, I'm glad somebody's watching after over it. Yeah, I was gonna say it'll take care of itself one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> you ought to remember them are the ancestors of the people that lynch people. So, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't go messing with them. We can, hey, that'd be the ultimate uh, evidence. Somebody yeah, ends up lynched in the middle of the cemetery. Yeah, that would not be good. Stuff. But it has it has a lot of history down there. And Nebraska has people. Yeah, I mean the people that come out here in Nebraska. It, it was a state in um, 1866, so we just having our hundred hundredth and fiftieth anniversary this year. Well, 1867, and um, the people that come out here, they were Union soldiers, Confederate soldiers. And they brought a lot of these differences out here, and then a lot of the fighting between people were fighting between immigrants, fighting between Confederate and Union soldiers, you know, different sides. Um, there was, yeah, they, not all these people were, um, um, I want to say honorable because they really did. If you've ever read the book My Antoinette um, by Willa Cather and My Antonia or seen the movie, they a lot of people took a little advantage of the immigrants, you know, the Bohemian immigrants and the German immigrants and the Russian immigrants. They charged them like double for the land, you know, and there was a lot of bitter feelings. And people either made it out of here or they didn't make it out of here. I mean, there was, in 1879, I think it was, they had a, um, a grasshopper, or 1876, they had a grasshopper infestation here or a plague from, like, it would be like a biblical plague. But the, it, the grasshoppers ate everything, and people were so hungry, they were eating the grasshoppers. And there's stories of that blizzards, you know, where, uh, you know, people lost their whole family, lost their kids. Epidemics like uh, Farwell, Nebraska, there's a cemetery there. It has a mass grave of 100 children that died of diphtheria. And and you go there and you feel the sadness. And you, you can feel it. It's very... Um, it's an isolated place, and you know, and stuff. But you can feel, you can feel the sadness in them people. They you know, they they come all the way over here, and they lose their whole family. I mean, people lost all their children from diphtheria. And that, it's just horrible. I mean, to think about. It. I mean, it happened a lot of places, but just yeah. Well, it's it's the stories, you know, and and I think these. These types of events leave an imprint, you know, on the place uh, and stuff. And it's it, it's it's neat to investigate. I mean, when you investigate a place, you got to look at uh, like a re- 
there was quite a bit of Russian uh, Russian immigrants here in town. Well, Russians have a total belief. They, they have a belief system that when they build a house and stuff, uh, they invoke a house spirit called uh, Domovai. It's a house fairy. And uh, they really believe in this thing. And I am... I'm not too sure that these things don't exist. I mean, there's a lot of uh, one house I investigated. Uh, the lady, she had no idea that Russians owned her house. But yet she reported she's seen a gnome thing. She's seen these little black streaks. She had stuff thrown at her. And uh, all these kinds of different kinds of poltergeist events and stuff. Okay, now when you read about what a Domovai is, it's a little gnome-type creature, and it runs around the house black streaks, and it shapeshift and throws stuff. Exactly what she was describing, and she had no idea what Russians owned her house. So, I, I mean, I have never seen it, but I can't call her a complete liar when she said, when, you know... And she sees this stuff, you know. So it's it, 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 it's interesting. It's it's always something new, you know. You have Irish immigrants, and you have Native American stories like Palmer, Nebraska. That was the site of um, big giant skitty Pawnee um, um, tribe. They practiced human sacrifice, the Morning Star ritual. Each year, they would they ritually sacrifice a woman, and then they would drag her body around the fields and let her bleed out or whatever. Well, then these farmers live there, and then they're wondering why their their place is haunted and stuff. Well, they dug up all these bones and everything. So it's it's I have some good stories. I'll have to. Like I said, I'll get them all in a book, and we'll and then we'll talk again about them all. And I, you know, oh yeah, it'll be all fun. Sherman Town Runners already beat me to the beat me to the point. We're getting ready for our ever popular. I don't know. I like saying these favorite, you know, these things, but we're getting ready to do rapid fire. They're already kind of beating me to it. So, uh, where can where can people um, find you? I'm just at Ilita. I'm on Twitter. I don't really use Facebook. Cause yeah, wow, I can't, I can't deal with everybody. <laughs> so the first, yeah, for the first rapid fast, rapid fire question here is Twitter over Facebook. Ding, fries are done. Yeah. Face, Facebook, man, people are so. And they're just, I've been like, I follow a bunch of the same people, and they're so, so good on Twitter. And then you see their Facebook profile, and you go, "What did you hit, stupid?" Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know. My family was fighting on it, and that's when I was the last draw. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to listen to this every day. So you guys let me out. You're not on Twitter, so I'm safe there. Uh, speaking of family, worst gift ever received? Worst gift I ever received? Um, probably from my husband, and it was like gift certificates at McDonald's. I was like, what is this? <laughs> He's like, well, I thought you'd like these $5 coupons. <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> okay, speaking of McDonald's, uh, dinner party of three people, dead or alive, that you'd like to have together? Oh, dead. Dead or alive. Oh, man. God, that's a really good one and stuff that I that I'm curious about. There's a lot of them. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Um, well, let's start listing them. I won't count. Okay, John D. I would like to know about John D. Um, I'm related to Sir John Fields, and he actually was tried for witchcraft. I'd like to talk to him too. Um, uh, there is, you know, I I think the the cult guys from way back when is what I'd be interested in. Uh, maybe Roger Bacon and stuff. 
Yeah, nothing wrong with some bacon. I mean, Roger Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Harry, we can't have Jesus, Gandhi, and Hillary in the same room. Jeez, oh, Pete, that'd be bad. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> number one travel location on your bucket list. Oh, haunted or just... Just either or. Regular, well, straight I up or haunted. I want to go to that haunted forest in Romania. I want to see that before that, that giant circle or whatever. I want to see that for myself. I would, If I had a choice to go see something, I would want to go see Machu Picchu in Peru. I, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I like all them old, like, ancient sites. So you mentioned this earlier, kind of. Uh, favorite band? Oh, my favorite band. Um... Hi, Led Zeppelin. I figured that when you mentioned burning your Red Zeppelin albums, but I just wasn't sure. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, that did it in for me for religion. Uh, Los Angeles or Kansas? Um, Los Angeles or Kansas? <laughs> that was the question. <laughs> oh, yeah, well. Have you ever been to Kerwin, Kansas? I've never been to Los Angeles either, so I have no input on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the people in Kerwin, Kansas, look out like the, yeah, it remind me of the movie Deliverance. So probably Los Angeles. <laughs> they, I, I, I will, I'll take the Santa Monica Fricos on Santa Monica Pier any day at Kerwin, Kansas. That was scary. Uh, your favorite guilty pleasure? Chocolate. Darker uh, milk. I like dark chocolate. I like the Lindor truffles. I'll eat the whole bag. <laughs> if I'm given a chance, yeah, just one right after another. And meanwhile, somebody bought me some of those, and I told them they should have just bought me a Snickers bar. Oh, really? I just love them things. Let's see, so I'm not sure. Favorite season of the year? Oh, fall. Oh, so we're right there for you, huh? Yeah. Let's see here. Jelly or jam? Come on, Harry. We can do better than that. But anyways. Jam. <laughs> oh, well, this one's good here. Uh, drink of your choice. Oh, drink of my tr- Coffee. Favorite paranormal? Yeah, I'm, I'm bored. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> no, well, see, I, I've just started getting into it. So don't worry. I'm catching it. Um, favorite paranormal TV show? Um, probably Dead Files. I like Amy Allen. So I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if it's the people or how the show's produced. So I don't know. And, yeah, well, I like the history that they go through, and so I, I actually, you know, I'm. I know everybody like scoffs about them and everything, but yeah. I kind of like to see what they're going to try next, you know. If I, I'm curious because, like I said, we don't know what ghosts are. How can you say they're not detecting them or whatever? But I, I'm just curious. They're at least trying something, you know. I can't be, you know, like down on them totally about it. But if they're scamming, well, yeah. So uh, last one of these because I've got to push you off and tell a little story and get out of here. Favorite film of all time? Favorite film of all time. Oh, jeez. Field of Dreams. Oh, wait. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I I would have to say Excalibur. I like the old Excalibur. There you go. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. And I'll see you well, in the chat. Thanks for having me, Jim. Thanks. I have a good time. And thanks for everybody in the chat room. They were very good tonight. I'm almost almost disappointed. <laughs> yeah. All right. So so there's that. Uh, great guest. And she'll be back, guys, once the book gets done. J- Dave, you're in charge of making sure that gets done. So I, I, I said at Germantown Runner, Mr. Dave, that message the other day, when, well, when Tom Petty was dead and alive and dead and alive, um, I sent him a message about a story that I had from when I was in high school that kind of has a Tom Petty theme to it. Um, Peter John, who's been a musician on this show a couple of different times, um, 
overheard me saying, it's good to be king, but it's better to be the best. And he made me write it down and sign it for him. And then right before the first visit on the program, he handed it back to me and said, are you living up to it? And, well, I don't think I am, but I think it's uh, we're working on it. It's good, to be, it's good to be the king, but it's better to be the best. Think about it. It's the Mallard Report. Be a part of the report and help it grow. Share it. Do you enjoy listening to the Mallard Report, the fastest hour in paranormal talk radio? Please visit TMR247.com and listen to past or present reports. Subscription is free or listen on your favorite app. Well, we're just going to have to sit back and, and uh, watch, okay? Uh, and when I say watch, don't listen to anybody. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to CNN. Don't listen to the New York Times. Don't listen to the Washington Post. Watch what they do, okay? The opinions expressed on the Mallard Report are those of the host and participants. All listeners are advised to make their own decisions. Get connected with Take-Two Radio on Facebook or Twitter at Take-Two Radio. For email updates on future shows, follow at Blog Talk Radio. For previous episodes, upcoming guests, and more, visit Take-Two Radio.com.